Welcome to episode 35 of the Digital Fabrication Experiment, a podcast about all things CNC. I'm Winston Moy, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, the ever-advancing-in-life Eddie Kramer and momentarily liberated Chris Lee. We're hobby machinists, and we'd like to bring you into our conversations about life in the shop and topics in making. Good evening, gents. How's it going? Doing very, very well. I'm uh, finally free from phase one of uh, customer part, so I get to have some free time to do what I want and make some of my own stuff. That is fantastic. Eddie, how are you doing? Doing great. Got, got uh, my first chance to make parts since I got back from Germany today because <laughs> I've been uh, pretty much spending the month of October getting the shop ready for the Neo. Um, Neo's running a little behind, but the date is shortening every day. So <laughs> I had like a bunch of stuff on my end to get uh, get done. And I am ready to say, or I'm happy to say, I think I am ready at this end. So you've got the electrical all done, the uh, compressor picked out. And the, the compressor is installed. Out. Yeah. And, uh, so I've done everything I can do basically until the machine gets here. Um, so like the last piece I still have to do is hang up the, like the partitions in the garage to kind of, I'm not going to try to air condition the whole thing, but just the area I work in. So I'll wait till I get the machine where I want it and then kind of divide up the area with some, uh, some vinyl dividers, keep it, keep the cool section cool very exciting so uh, we're almost ready for uh me and chris to buy our plane tickets to uh, go visit you right yeah absolutely how was your uh, emo trip oh it was great it was definitely uh, probably the most walking i've done in <laughs> a week-long period <laughs> in a long time but um yeah germany the whole the whole uh trip was wonderful um emo is huge i i didn't even scratch the surface of it but uh, saw some really amazing stuff there. I think like, I spent most of my time in the uh, the halls with the the CNC machines because you know it's basically pretty much the whole metalworking industry is represented there. So there's like halls full of nothing but deburring equipment and <laughs> a lot of stuff I didn't see. But um, it was it was like a, I felt like a kid in a candy store. It was amazing. You are. Um you kind of know your way around machines. Like you came into this hobby, I feel like with a better understanding of like what's out there, but did you see any, any machines that sort of blew your mind or were unexpected or surprised you or taught you something that a capability you didn't know existed before? Like I saw, I don't remember the brands, but um, I mean, there were so many new ones to me that I, I hadn't heard of before, but there was some big multi spindle machines for a high volume production. So just, you know, picture your typical, three axis CNC machine, but maybe two or four spindles all going at once inside there. And uh, like most of the ones I saw, they were kind of locked. So they're all like making the same part, just spread across on the table. Um, but that was kind of, those are big machines too. That was kind of interesting. I think, I think I've seen those, uh, but only in gantry form and for wood. Like if they're making four, like, uh, bed posts or something at the same time. They'll have four logs laid out with four spindles going up and down simultaneously. But I never seen that in metalworking or metal stuff. They were working. It looked like aluminum plate or steel plate. I couldn't really tell what was on the machine at the at the show. But uh, they were making real chips. But almost everything there, uh, every machine was making chips. <laughs> that was like didn't see a lot of just air cutting going on there. And I I did get to spend some time in uh, the Daytron booth. They had a really nice booth set up, Emo. 
that was the first time I saw the um, Neo Series 2. They had, I think they had three of them there, three or four. There were running parts on those. And they also had their the bigger machines there. They had the, their new machine, the MX Cube, which isn't in the US yet, um, making some parts. That machine is so fast. <laughs> it's like, I think it's 40 meters per minute which is, uh, the Neo is like 28 meters per minute to give you an idea. Like I think the Neo is fast, but the MX cube, and it's a big machine. Like I can't believe it moves that fast. I saw other stuff, you know, I saw a lot of machines doing things I didn't know was possible, you know, moving that much mass around that fast. It's very interesting. For our Imperial friends, 40 meters is 1,574 inches. Yeah. And I don't remember the size of that machine, but it's bigger. Like, I think it's bigger than the M10 Pro, if you know, it's bigger than the the big. Uh, actually, I don't know if it's their biggest machine, but it's up there. It's not like the Neo. It's like more like the M8 and M10 big machine. Yeah, so that was good. So Emo, I did two full days there, um, and then I hooked up with Marvin. He was working the Kern booth, and then on Friday evening we went down to Darmstadt. And Saturday, I actually got to go to Daytron, spend the whole day at Daytron AG in Germany. And um, uh, they're just outside of Darmstadt. I think they're in Metall. I'm probably, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, Metall. I guess that's the main corporate office and their apps area and kind of their R&D, or not R&D, but their lab, right? So I get to basically spend the day there Saturday. Uh, there's a Neo Series 2 there, so I got to actually make my first parts on on a series two that was awesome and marvin and uh uh the gentleman from daytron that met us out there fabian puth was uh, they they were working on their project on one of the bigger machines while we were there i actually got to sit fabian down and and get an interview with him you want to hear it yeah absolutely let's roll the tape all right welcome to the show fabian hello great to be here why don't you tell us a little, uh, a little bit about what you do at Daytron and your title and your role? Yes, um, so I'm um, at Daytron since uh, 2016 and by the end of last year I became a part of the product management team and I'm responsible for all the CNC systems regarding pro the product management. So I'm basically the interface between the marketing, the sales guys and the development and I try to figure out the requirements of our customers and make our products better. So I'm involved in new products as well as existing products. Well, thank you. And um, so Fabian took me on a nice tour of the Daytron facilities in Darmstadt. Um, got a nice look at your machining lab and the machines current and previous. A really neat, really neat uh, tour. I appreciate that. Um, so tell me a little more about Daytron, the company. So I think you're celebrating your 50th anniversary this year, right? Yes, so this year is our 50th anniversary. And I think for uh, about uh, 30 years, we built our uh, CNC systems. So this is not quite for 50 years now, but we have lots of work done in this case. And uh, this year we celebrated our 50th anniversary in our I hope we have 50 more years to come now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so when Daytron first started, uh, you were focused on, was it kind of the electronics industry? And um, Yes, we came out of the electronic industry and we first started building our machines to use them ourselves. 
And because they were kind of good, we started selling them and all the customers liked them because it was easy to operate them and they they were not used to it in the in this industries. So that was kind of a good thing. Yeah, that's that's one of the things like that always kind of caught my eye looking at Daytron equipment. Um, you know, you have a unique control system, next Daytron Next, touchscreen interface. Uh, you know, it can be as simple as like on the dental line, the CNC machines that you sell, like a non-machinist can use that system very easily. Um, that's not next, right? But uh, the, the the more traditional CNC machines that Daytron sells uh, with next control, it's also very easy for uh, a non-expert to walk up and maybe use another machine and very quickly pick up. Yes, that um, was one of our main goals. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because I mean, you know, the industry is full of very arcane controllers. <laughs> very, I think like Nexus one. I'm, I'm going to be very happy um, with my machine when it arrives. I think I'll pick that up pretty quickly. Happy 50th anniversary to Daytron. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit more about Daytron's kind of core product philosophy. So I know the machines; they look different. Um, they're not for every machining scenario. So what what is the area that Daytron's focused on and what kind of makes the machines unique. Okay, so the first thing you just said, they look different. Um, I think they look awesome. We have great design on the machines and um, we we kind of <clears throat> focus on high-speed spindles. So we have lots of RPMs um, up to 60,000. Um, we are focused on small, um, small uh, tools. So high-speed small tooling that combination and we don't need um, that much room for our machines so we have a small small platform combined with a big machining area so yeah. it's perfect for for aluminum plate material and all stuff like this very fast machines right kind of the motion platform is yes they also move really 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 fast and yeah. this combined with Daytron Next uh, really simple to use is a perfect thing for yeah all types of uh, companies yeah so that that was kind of what really appealed to me when I selected a, a Daytron product was you know I had a limited amount of space so but I didn't want to have a big trade-off on machine you know I want to run some pretty big parts um, yes so I went with the Neo which is still a small machine but uh, it has a surprisingly large yeah, it's wide range for it's a it's a kind of a large range and it yep. uh, it even fits through a regular door so yeah. it's easy to to set it up. And so you can tell my wife it's okay to bring it in the house. You can bring it in your living room. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if that applies. So you mentioned a little bit about the tooling. I think the machines seem to perform really well with like single flute tooling in aluminum, which is pretty unique. I think I don't see a lot of people running single flute yes. in aluminum. Yeah. Um, it's a habit I've. <laughs> now adopted for a lot of my small high RPM spindle hobby machines. It works, Daytron single flute tooling works really well on those too. Yeah, that's um, great to hear. Yeah, so I think, you know, the trick is, right, it's, you know, you take a light radial cut um, at high RPM, it's pretty light cutting forces, and you can really move remove a lot of material quickly with that. Yes, and, and it's easy to, like, bring the tool into the material. That's another great thing about uh, single flute tools. Yeah, and for machines, uh, it's not such a big issue on the Daytron because you have the ethanol cooling, but um, like on the hobby machines, 
I have no cooling. I don't even have air blasts. So single flute does a good job of chip evacuation in a dry machining scenario, which I find very helpful. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the ethanol MQL coolant system. That's fairly unique to Daytron too. For yes, I haven't seen this a lot in the in the industry. Um, well, it's kind of easy to use and it brings you clean parts out of the machine. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's easy to set up. You just throw it out and you have coolant on the on the tool. Yeah, and it's gone pretty much when your job is done, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's one of the things I think I'm going to end up liking the most about yeah. my Daytron machine is I don't have any, like, I really didn't, I, I have never used coolant to date. And I've seen machines, I've played around with CNC machines that use traditional oil-based coolant, and it's a mess, right? When that part comes off, you need some sort of cleaning. Yes. Um, I really like that I don't have to deal with that um, with ethanol. And it seems like the surface finish is really, like it has a really good effect on the surface finish yes. and aluminum. We do have some some features for a good surface finish. So this uh, gives you a great shiny finish, yes. Yeah, yeah very nice. <laughs> yeah, so one of the other things I like about ethanol MQL, um, it seems like, you know, I'm running a small machine, you know, a small machine at home. It's it's reasonable, I think, to run in a garage in a residential setting, but um, but I still have to deal with, you know, I don't want to deal with some of the stuff the bigger shops deal with, like disposal of hazardous materials. Um, so that's like coolant, like having to change coolant and then figure out what to do with the old coolant, right? Um, so there's some advantages, right? With Yes, you the, don't need all this stuff. You just put in the coolant and um, afterwards it's gone. <laughs> yeah, I never have to change coolant. I just yeah, you never have to change top it. Top it off and it kind of... Mother Nature takes care of the rest. <laughs> it's also pretty cheap to yeah. get, and um, it's also good for the environment. I think that's a big advantage. Yeah, without you know petroleum product in there, right? Yeah, so that's that's like it may end up being my favorite feature in the end. <laughs> ethanol coolant. Um, very good. So we just came back from Emo. So this is actually the weekend after Emo. I'm still in Germany, as I mentioned earlier. Um, I spent quite a bit of time at the Daytron booth. I uh, really enjoyed what I saw there, but it's like, this was my first time to emo. So I was just running around like a kid at the circus, right? <laughs> so I know I probably missed a lot of things. Um, why don't you tell me a little bit about what Daytron had to show at emo 2019 this year? Sure. So we have some new products, uh, which we showed at the emo. Um, we have, first of all, the Neo Series 2, which is the one you just purchased mm -hmm. and you're waiting for it. Um, we have some small improvements uh, for our Daytron Neo, so we call it Series 2. Um, for example, we have, uh, I think, one of the big advantages. We have a new PC inside, which is more than 10 times faster than the old one, which is really, really great for all new, new customers. You have also the opportunity to retrofit your old Neo Series 1. Um, we had a focus on this. Oh, okay. Um, yes. So they can bring it up to pretty much the same changes that you made. Yes, you can okay. not everything, but yeah. uh, most but of it you can. Most of it you can like upgrade. So okay. it's it's great for all the new customers. I yeah. think that's good to know. We'll talk a little bit more about the Neo Series Two in a minute. Um, so the machine I got to see for the, well, the other machine I got to see for the first time, because uh, it's not yet sold in America, is the MX Cube, which is the the other end of your product line, right? The high end. Yes. Um, so tell me a little bit, that machine was awesome, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Um, this is actually our newest machine. 
Um, I think we launched it in January this year. So um, the first uh, MX Cube was sold in, in the spring this year in Germany. And right now we are uh, we sell this machine only in Germany. Okay. Um, but let's see. Sometimes mm -hmm. um, we we actually planning it uh, to sell it international, but they are not. Well, there's not the timing yet, so... Yeah, still still some things to work out. Right? Yes. From a size perspective, it was about the same as the MTIM Pro, uh, as far as the machinable area, is that about right? Is the machine area is exact the size okay. of the M10 Pro and also the M8 Cube, but um, the complete size of the machine is a little bit bigger because we have um, the new tool changer inside, the so it needs a little bit more room, but you have a great... Or you have lots of new advantages. Yeah, so that was the other thing I noticed, like right away visually, is the so Daytron traditionally on the on all the machines has a tool changer sitting at the back of the of the machine table. Um, uh, we call that a wine a wine rack style tool change or tool changer in the U.S., um, which is good, but it kind of limits how many tools you can hold, and it's probably yes. all, you know it's in the it's in the area where the chips are flying, so I probably not always the easiest thing to to make reliable on a lot you know you have to kind of keep the chips yes. out of the moving doors and stuff um so this is your first daytron's first i don't know if you would call it like it's called tool assist but it's uh it's the first external yeah. tool changer i would say yeah and magazine yes um, much larger capacity much larger number of tools right um and yeah so they had that working on the mx cube at uh yeah, it was on the MX Cube, right? Yes, yeah. it's it's uh, the MX Cube is uh, only available with this tool changer. Okay, and it has room for one hundred and ten tools, which is like more than fourth the amount yeah. from the M10 Pro, which is really good for the customer. And that's HSK only, right? It's, it's, it's HSK thirty two okay. for the MX Cube because we have uh, only the eight kilowatt spindle right now, so it's HSK thirty two. Okay, and. Something I learned at Emo is uh, that that tool assist, the, the new tool changer is retrofitable, or it works with the older, larger Daytron machines too, the M10 Pro and uh, which other machines? No, not M10 Pro actually, oh. uh, but um, yes, that's new. Um, since Emo this year, we have the Daytron tool assist also for M8 Cube and ML, ML Cube. Um, if you have the next control, you can um, from now on, you can get the tool assist as well. Okay, so that's nice. For, so I know there's, um, you know, like I said, there, ML Cube's not in the US, um, but yeah, definitely M8 and ML Cube. Uh, there's some owners, I think some of them follow or listen to the podcast. So that's good news for them. And it's even more uh, room for tools in this case because M8 Cube and ML Cube uses the HSK25. And um, because they are smaller, we have up to 143 tools inside oh, okay so this is really a lot <laughs> yeah that's and i think the old the wine rack style was limited to 24 for the m8 cube okay and 36 for the m8 okay cube. so not much more than the new that's interesting yes okay um so i don't know if you got a chance to walk around emo like what was the the most interesting thing or exciting thing that you saw at emo it doesn't have to be daytron it can be yeah <laughs> well I, I i had the chance to walk around a little bit um, and I didn't see that many new, let's say, hardware uh, stuff around. Um, everything is like 
new for di digitalization and industry 4.0. So mm -hmm. I think a big focus is on this part. Um, we also have our new products uh, in this or regarding this topic. Uh, we, we launched a Datron Live uh, at um, at the Emo, we have yeah. now Datron Live. It's a, it's a it's an app for monitoring your machine for your mobile phone. Yes, for, for like iOS for and phone. Android. Yes. Okay. Does it work with the? Will it work with the Neo? It will probably work with the Neo as well. All right. Um, so okay, I actually we we didn't launch the product yet, but yeah. um, announced it. We announced it and we started like a, a beta test phase. Okay. I don't know if I can say it in English. Yeah, beta test. Yeah. Beta test. Uh, yeah. So eventually it'll be general release later, maybe this year or next year. Yeah, probably sometime next year. Okay. So that's good. Um, so let's go back, talk a little bit more about the Neo series too. Okay. So uh, you mentioned, um, so I don't know if you know the history. I ordered the Neo series one. It was probably like a day before the little press release came out in Germany about the Neo Series 2. So Datron USA was very good about letting me know, hey, there's a new model coming out and working with me to make sure that's what I'm getting. So thank okay. you guys. Um, and it took a little while to, you know, actually I finally found the press release so I kind of saw what was new. I think, you know, to me the the control upgrade, you know, because I have played around with the Neo Series 1. I love that machine. I've seen it at a couple of uh, Autodesk events. Um, the UI was... A little slow to me, like just navigating the UI, dragging the, or jogging to you know visual touch um, to set up a part with the probing and camera. Uh, so that's what we fixed now with yeah, the new. I saw I did the same thing here at Emo on the series two. We had I think four series two Neo series two at the show. Oh, we had four, three, yes. three, yeah. yeah. So I had plenty of time to, to play around with that, and yeah, I definitely noticed a big difference. Um, so I'm excited about that. I also saw the new there's a new touch probe. Yes. Uh, and I have a Renshaw probe on the Series 2, whereas it was, I guess, a Datron in-house probe on the Series 1. So tell me, what are we getting with, what does that bring to the Neo? Well, the new probe brings you like more accuracy in the uh, probing process. And also we have uh, the magnetic coupler at the Renshaw one. So it's kind of better for you um, if you if you are up to break it or something, it's kind of... Are you More proof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a feature put on there just for me. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the breakaway probe. Um, okay, so I know um, that was the stuff I could see just looking at the front. Um, I think there were some other changes. Yeah, we also have a new cooling unit, spindle cooling unit inside, okay. um, and some new sensor features uh, which are available, like vacuum. Um, monitoring and um, the microjet monitoring. So we have some small features. The ethanol. Yes. So levels. when it's empty, your machine tells you it's empty okay. and <laughs> not keeps moving. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm trying to think that was. Uh, I'm trying to remember where else was new on the series. Anything else? The, um, Let me think about it. I I think that was the. Yeah, that was the main thing. The main thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I I boarded. Um, I've configured my machine with the fourth axis, which I'm pretty excited about because uh, it looks like it's, you know it's easy to take off, put back on, um, and I do a lot of like fourth axis positional work in my business, so um, really excited. They had one of the Neos at Series Two at uh, Emo had the fourth axis. It was basically configured almost exactly how I think my machine is coming. I'll also have the vacuum plates. Okay. Um, for most of the stuff I do. Um, so, so yeah, the fourth axis was actually invented for this machine. Yeah. So it f just fits perfectly. 
um, the the dimension of this axis is perfect for for the neo, and um, I think you get like a great workpiece dimension on it. So it's for this small machine you get really big fourth axis parts out of it. Yeah, it, and it, it's very well integrated with the control. Like I said, the setup calibration of it. Like I've I've seen how that's done on other machines. Um, it can take half a day to get yeah. big fourth in, and probably a, it's really easy. You just yeah. put on the axis and start the calibration process and it tells you what screws to uh, uh, to screw to screw for um, for recalibration okay and yeah. it's pretty easy yeah because I, I like I said I think I'll be pulling it off and taking it on, or putting it on and taking it off quite a bit depending on what job I'm doing so um, well, it's even you. possible to put it like on your m8 cube next if you have one so you can switch okay. So does it work with basically any machine that has an X? Is that kind of yes? Okay, that's nice. Um, so the other thing I heard or I found out recently is that Datron is. Um, I, you know, I'm a big fan of the single flute tooling. Uh, Datron has other tools which I'm just starting to explore. Probably with the Neo, I'll go further into the catalog. That, um, tools that normally wouldn't be suitable for my hobby machines, um, but Datron so. You guys have taken tool production in-house recently, right? Is that new? Yes, that's new. Since um, January this year, we do tool production in-house. Okay. And um, it's not far away from here. It's about 40 minutes. Um, it's even smaller village than we are here in right now. And um, I think it's really great because we can provide uh, the perfect tools for our machines. And we can modify them and do some little changes. And um, yes, that's new, and uh, we really like it, and it works out really good. Okay. Datron puts a lot of effort into kind of a fully integrated solution. Um, you have your own control, which is fairly unique. Uh, now you have your own, you know, you're an MTB making your own tools. Uh, so when I get like cutting speeds and feeds recommendations from Datron, I know that tool's been used on that, on the machine I'm, you know, the exact same machine I'm getting, and you guys actually have. Your speeds and feeds recommendations are not just material and tools, material, tool, and Datron machine model, right? So it's like yes. it's very precise. I like that. Um, that's going to give me a big head start. Yes, you, start we give you the whole process, and yeah. that's one of our big goals, I would say, um, to give the customer everything out of one hand. So uh, he gets the machine, he gets the tools, he gets the accessories, and um, afterwards he also gets technology consulting. Yes. Yeah, that's that's the you know I think even in the U.S. Uh, customer support's very good. Like, Datron started supporting me, or you know just kind of informally giving me advice. The Datron staff in the U.S. well before I was ever a Datron customer. That's how okay. great they're. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> yeah. great work. I'm not even a customer. And they're already giving me. Yeah, you know, they're helping me with the tooling and and letting. I'm sorry, letting me test out tools and uh, wow, it's like I, I can't imagine what it's going to be like when I'm actually you know a customer of Datron. It's going to be fantastic. That's great to hear. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we kind of wrap up here about Emo or about uh, Datron? So another thing regarding tools is that um, on our uh, tool plant we have also testing equipment. So if there are any minor changings uh, regarding a tool, we have the opportunity to test the changings and um, or to test it right away. And we have a a M8 cube at our um, grinding station, so we are able to test new tools right away and 
um, don't have to waste a lot of time and uh, iterate the process really fast. Yeah, that's neat. So you, you can actually uh, test several different grinds probably in the same day. And Yes. Um, yeah, that's neat. Um, maybe next time I come back, I can get a tour of the tooling production center. That'd be we, neat. we probably can arrange this. <laughs> okay, good. Um, well, thank you very much, Fabian, for being on the show um, and for being such a good host at Daytron. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And I uh, hope to see you at uh, hopefully at IMTS next year. Yes, I hope so. And thanks for for letting me be here. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, Fabian was great. Um, really appreciate him coming down there on a Saturday and uh, letting me play around with machines and hear a little bit more about Daytron, the company, and and giving us this interview. Yeah, he's a he's a pretty cool guy working in a pretty cool company. Um, I'm kind of curious though. Um, Datron is a pretty like niche um, machine manufacturer here in the U.S. How are like what's their presence like in Germany? Are they sort of like the Haas of Germany, or like how prevalent are they? So Germany is a country full of machine tool builders. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I'd say they're. Yeah, I mean you know DMG's the the giant among all the MTBs anywhere in the world probably. But uh, yeah, so I'd say Daytron, you know, they kind of have their area where they really shine, which is, uh, you know, they're dynamic machines, right? So very rapid acceleration and high RPM spindle, right? So they're kind of, they're really good at aluminum plate work, um, non-ferrous plastics, that kind of stuff. And they, they have a router style architecture as far as the layout of the table. So you get the, you know, I think Fabian mentioned it there, you get the compact footprint on the floor, even for a big machine, uh, relative to the machinable area on it. So that, you know, for some manufacturers, that's like really important to be able to kind of either fit more machines in or fit the one machine they have or one or two machines in the small space they have. Yeah. I wouldn't, I don't know where they sit in the market as far as, you know, are they small or are they big in Germany? I would assume they're much bigger there than they are here in the U S. I mean, for the people listening, like if you, you've done a lot of research, so I'll ask you, why would you pick a Daytron over a Haas or another branded name, you know, machine over here? If anyone's wondering, like what would be the benefits? I'm sure you've gone through this. Yeah. So I think a lot of it has to do with the materials you're working with. Um, you know, if you're working with hard steel, uh, tool steels, that's probably Daytron wouldn't be your first choice. Uh, Haas might, you know, Typical approach by Haas would be a kind of a low RPM spindle with a lot of torque, can handle large tools and relatively, I'd say medium speed, not necessarily fast, like Daytron fast anyway, as far as uh, rapids and, and cutting feed rates. So I think those are, you know, that's probably the right thing for steel parts. Um, but if you have like a bunch of aluminum work to do, especially if it's plate work, although you can do more than just plate, right? They have all the way up to five axis on some of the bigger Daytron machines. You know, that's where the low flute count tooling on a, a high RPM spindle with very rapid acceleration jerk and cutting feed rates. Basically, I think those machines, the Daytrons are more productive in those types of materials. So yeah, and plus they can handle much bigger uh, workpiece size, right? If you had a say a Haas that had the same machinable area as uh, ML cube. I don't know which, you know, which VF that's probably up past five, right? Maybe VF seven, six, you know, that's, that's a huge, heavy machine. 
Um, and it grows, you know, basically those machines grow, right? They grow wider because they move their table left to right. And typically the Datron machines, um, the Neo being the exception, but the bigger machines, tables fix, just the gantry moves. So you can get a very compact, uh, narrow machine relative to, to uh, the workpiece size. So that's kind of like, that's the advantage I see. I mean, um, yeah, that's just my observation. I don't have the machine yet. So. And the Neo is kind of a, a different animal compared to the other machines anyway. So, I mean, I, I like the Neo, you know, especially when we got to see it. it. I mean, you're right. Like the space savings, the efficiency, like of how big that machine is. Um, I think if Fabian said you could put it through a door, which is true, it's that small. Um, it doesn't take that much space and yet everything is inside what you need. Um, it can still mill a really large piece of plate if you want to. Um, I don't know, it's just like a really nice compact design. I like, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of wasted uh, space in that machine. Um, everything is exactly where it needs to be and kind of fits. So especially for uh, if you own a smaller shop, like a garage shop or something like that, it's kind of nice to have something like that. You, you, rolling in a Haas VF4 is, is like, it's a lot more, uh, you know, space consuming, even if you can even get it into your garage or not. So yeah, I, I think for me, or if I had to buy a machine, that I had to fit in a tight space, or if I only was doing certain thing, that would probably be my number one choice. Would be a Daytron, unless I had to, you know, do something bigger or do steels or titanium or whatever. Like most German machines, they're they're probably going to cost a little more than a Haas for a similar work area, I guess, or similar capability. But they're different, right? So the engineering, the basically the machine concept is different, and they both have their strengths and certain materials and certain work processes. For me, like Datron's kind of fits my style anyway. I like high RPM spindle. I like doing light cuts, light radial cuts uh, really fast and non-ferrous metals as fast as I can go. <laughs> so uh, yeah, with the little machine. So Neo kind of just, it fits my work style, I guess, and, and the kind of parts I make. The the five axis for the Neo, what was, do you remember what the workpiece size was for that? Oh, so no, fi no five axis for the Neo. Okay. Has, okay. Yeah, yeah. The bigger machines, you can get a five axis trunnion. Yeah. On the Neo, you can go up to four axis. Uh, so you can get a rotary table. It's actually designed for the Neo. I think Bobby mentioned that in the interview. Um, but it fits on the other machines too now. Uh, at least the ones that have next same control is uh, what's on the Neo, the newer machines. And I think, I can't remember, uh, you can definitely go pretty long on how far the stock can stick out because it's a tail stock you can use with it uh, that you run some pretty long stock and i think like round bar probably four inches in diameter three and a half four inches so bigger than what will fit on the pocket in c but not by much but definitely much longer stock i think it's a little over eight inches uh yeah 210 millimeters if you use the tail stock and you can put a vice on there too right so it doesn't have to be round stock they have a three jaw and a small lang vice for non-round stock it both kind of just it's easy to swap them out so since we're on this this daytron kick you were recently just in new hampshire for training uh how did that go oh that was great so i was up there for two days of training at uh, daytron dynamics which is like the u.s team for daytron and they also have a they had a neo series too so i got to train on a machine pretty much configured exactly like mine's going to be had the rotary fourth on it um first day was basics you know on the control and this wasn't the first time i used a neo right so obviously i got to play around one make some parts in germany 
uh, played with the Series 1 a couple of times at Autodesk events. Uh, thanks, Chris <laughs> and, and Dan. But this was like the first time I really dug into the control beyond what I've read in the PDFs. I have all like I have all the documentation. I've kind of been nerding out on that stuff ever since I placed the order. Um, but it's not quite the same thing as actually running a machine and digging through all the options and everything. So um, spent the first day there doing three axis uh, towards the end of the day. You know, it was pretty much hands-on the whole time. So we kind of spent a little bit of time going over maintenance and how to how to just kind of take care of the machine and where everything was physically on it. And then uh, setting up jobs, probing, which I love. Oh my God, probing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the ethanol is great too. I love, like the part just comes off clean and dry. It's like, it's weird. And then you pull the chip tray out at the bottom, the chip bin, chips are all dry. It's like, wow, I'm just not used to that. Um, like every other big VMC I've seen, it's kind of a mess down underneath. <laughs> down in the sump. Um, so what else? Uh, yeah. Then the second day was, um, fourth axis. So working with the machine with the fourth axis on the table. Um, yeah, the first day was like basically backing vice, uh, all the other work holding options I purchased for the machine. And then the second day was dedicated to the doing some fourth axis, uh, everything like for put, putting it on the table, taking it off, calibrating it, which is easy to hard, depending on how far out of alignment you are. It's, it has the, uh, has like these positioning conicals. So when you put the uh, fourth axis on the table, it, it's pretty much in the right place unless you bumped it or crashed it or something like that. It, it goes back, it goes on and off the table really easy and it's almost like dialed in. You just run the probe calibration bar that you put in the chuck and then it kind of walks you through a couple of adjustments if you need any and then you're good to go. Basically, we got to make um, some aluminum parts using the fourth axis uh, and the vise. That was a blast. Made one of their sample parts. I think I've seen them do that at some of the other events they're at. It's the same. It's like a some sort of electrical housing, but it's like a one and done on the fourth axis. Pretty big part for like for me. Like that would take me a long time. Actually, it was probably a little too big to make on the B two fifty. But uh, there was quite a bit of material removal because it was like um, how well, I'm trying to think like a housing for a Raspberry Pi or something like that, but a little bit deeper. So you got to remove all that material on the inner part of the, like where the electronics would go and then the outside was just finishing, but it was really neat. I enjoyed it. Um, feel very comfortable with next. It's still a lot to kind of master, like all the probing routines. And actually I found out there's conversational on that machine, which I didn't know. So that was kind of neat. played around with that. And I kind of came away like really, really wanting my machine. <laughs> like I, I want it today. <laughs> So, um, it, every time I, I kind of get to touch an EO and then go off, come back home or whatever, it's like withdrawal for two solid weeks. <laughs> so, uh, I think all of us at this point have at least pushed cycle start on a Daytron, but, um, like you've seen clearly a lot more of the controls. How does it hold up once you dive deeper into the menus? Is it still just as easy and intuitive as like just the basics? Yeah, I think, um, I'm trying to think the hardest thing I probably had trouble with was, uh, the tool management, which is actually pretty simple. Once I kind of figured it out, it's just, you have to unlearn some things that you learn on other machines, like on my, all machines here, basically I manage my tools using the tool number that comes out of fusion. The net on next, you actually use the tool, like part number, you know, like the Datrons have a tool number, the Harvey tools all have a tool number. You manage them 
that way, which actually I liked once I kind of understood what was going on. So you don't really, you basically just ignore the tool number that comes out of Fusion and use the, like the SKU on the part to manage the tool, which that, you know, it took me, like I said, it took me a couple of times of um, trying to. It, is that like a relation thing? So like you, you post uh, from Fusion and it says tool one, but then when you get into the, the next software, you tell tool one is SKU number, blah, blah, blah. It, well, it'll show up as like, you'll see the fusion tool number, but it doesn't mean anything like doesn't have any. Yeah. So what you're really managing is you're telling, you need to basically tell the machine what's in the tool magazine in the ATC and you tell it by, uh, you identify that tool by the, by the part number of the tool. Like, so instead of like, M6 T1, it'd be M6 T and then SKU number. Uh, what's M6? Is M60 load the tool? I can't remember. M6 is tool change. Yeah, no, so that that, that might be um, grabbing it at, like, that might actually be the magazine number. Like, there's 20, yeah. But when you're telling it what's going in, say, magazine position 7, right, I would tell it, like, if I was using the Datron 2 flute, I would say, I mean, the Datron 2 millimeter single flute, I would say, like, 0068430Y is in that position. So you have to have your tool data pretty well set up infusion which i i normally do anyway where i have the vendors catalog loaded um yeah so that kind of makes it easy just make sure you're entering that data correctly what happens if uh, you're using a non-datron tool or is that blasphemy no no you can there's uh yeah they had harvey tools set up so the nice thing is the datron tool catalog is already loaded in the machine so i don't have to enter any data for if i'm using a datron tool i just look it up by the SKU number um, but say I have a Harvey Threadmill or something that Dayton doesn't know about, I just go create a user library on the machine. I think that's pretty much the same as when you do on Haas or anybody else. So you kind of go into tool management to find the critical values for the tool, like dimensions and part number description, that kind of stuff. And then you can save it and reference it. Yeah, I mean, on the Haas, I, I mean, it just, it just wants the number. It doesn't really care or know what's inside of it. You could you could add the parameter to that on the machine and tell it like oh this you can label it but it still doesn't doesn't matter what when it when the program says to pull T one it's gonna pull whatever's in T one so you have to make sure is T one a physical yeah it's a physical it's a tool slot like in it's you know out of the twenty one in the carousel it's tool number one so if you're T one it's gonna pull whatever's in T one and it's gonna use it exactly how you program it so it doesn't care if it's a thread mill or whatever. So you have to make sure you're you're calling the right tool numbers out. Oh yeah. So the other thing I found out was, so the Datron, like the post processor infusion, doesn't spit out G code for Datron. It actually spits out something called simple S I M P L, which uh, is like a higher level language. It's very interesting. Like looking at the post, the, the posted code. I'd already been kind of looking at the like some of the documentation on that kind of that's cause that's also like their macro language, right? So kind of been digging into that but uh i mean you, it'll run g-code too like if you if you didn't have um if you had something other than fusion like fusion probably has the best post-processor for datron of it, any of the cam software packages out there but if you had like some old cam that didn't really didn't have a post-processor that was simple aware it'll still take g-code too so there's like a g-code processor in simple on the control that makes it G-code compatible just basically maps that out to simple, which is what the machine runs on. So that was that was kind of neat as a programmer, right? I kind of like it's a high level language. It looks more like like uh, kind of looks like C sharp. It's hard to explain. 
Um, yeah, it's kind of a mix between C sharp and a little bit of it looks like JavaScript, but I was like very at home <laughs> looking through the code. Um, so yeah, we'll talk about that maybe on another episode once I get the machine and kind of play around with it some more. But I can tell I'm gonna have a lot of fun just uh, exploring that part of the machine. Does that make it more uh, human readable? Oh yeah, it looks just like like any other like high level programming language. Like instead of uh, like the tool change you were talking about, like I think it actually says like tool change or tool. It actually has a verb, right? It's English or German if you're, <laughs> if you're in German. And then, uh, um, yeah, so I'll, I'll share that with y'all at some point. Um, I'll, I'll post something from Fusion and show you what it looks like. But uh, if, well, you've, have you ever looked at post, the post-processor code in Fusion? That's all. That's JavaScript. I, I've taken a look at it a little bit only because I've had to modify like some of the decimal precision stuff. And So the posted code like, that goes to the, to the Neo looks a lot like looks almost like the post-processor. It's looks, it's JavaScript-like, but I think it's probably got more in common with C-sharp than anything else. But um, yeah, it's different. <laughs> it's not, not what I'm used to. It's easy to kind of write your own custom routines and call them up, which is kind of neat. So lots of automation and, and macro potential on that machine. Very cool. Look forward to learning more about that through you. Yeah, me too. So right now I'm... Uh, like I said, I'm ready on this end. Datron's hustling to get ready on their end. I'm still waiting for, um, so the delay basically is because A, I decided to wait for the Series 2 machine. So I probably, you know, Series 1 would have been here by now probably. Um, and then I'm also waiting for uh, a single phase configuration on that machine, which was kind of a late uh, option that they added. So I'm kind of waiting for that to get through final electrical testing and all that stuff. So. I think uh, maybe December, January timeframe is what we're looking at now for machine arrival here. That just gives Winston and I more time to get our part ready, so no worries. <laughs> I mean, I already know what I'm going to make, so I'm really just waiting on you. I also need to figure out how to get like a large quantity of aluminum plate stock over you because I've got some some access to some, I think, 3 8 inch plate that I would probably use for this. So either I, I check like 20 pounds of just raw aluminum in my uh, carry-on bag, or maybe I have to check that. How big is it, the plate dimension? I want to say like 8 or 10 inches by 14. Yeah, that'll fit on the machine, no problem. Yeah, it's, it's almost, I think it's like approximately 20 by 16. You, th you think the airport's going to give you problems? I don't know. It could just be like sheer weight and density, how it shows up on the scanner. And also the fact that these are like sharp cut edges. So I don't know if they think that I can shank someone with this thing. So I'm trying to think what else. The uh, Yeah, the team was great in both places. Datron was a really great host for me in Germany. And uh, and I had a great week up in, uh, or half week up in New Hampshire this week. Hanging out with Dan and the team up there. It was great. Didn't uh, didn't they do an interview with you as well? I saw yes, that they story. did. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Daytron they they put out uh, they I should say Daytron Dynamics, uh, the U.S. guys put out a uh, pretty good blog. I don't know if you read it, but I've been reading it for a while. Uh, it's kind of a mix of some of its marketing, but a lot of it's uh, kind of technical stuff, depending on who's writing the like which team members writing the article. And then they do they're starting to do more uh, customer interviews 
so the um that was kind of what i think my little session with them just short and sweet they were just asking me about uh kind of my selection process how i ended up landing on the neo and what i was looking at uh, before i selected you know they called it a they called it between two Daytrons, and I was kind of disappointed that you weren't actually sitting between two Neos. <laughs> I can tell you, like, both of the Neos there, that um, the Series 2, they both had, like, sold signs on them. So uh, I think they're they're moving those things. Well, actually, I think one was a Series 1, one was a Series 2 that I saw there in, their, in the area where I was training. I've been house shopping the last couple of weeks and every time I walk into uh, like a new place and I look at the garage, I just imagine all the amazing things I'm going to throw in there. So maybe one of these days, Daytron might find its way into the garage as well. We'll see what happens. Okay, guys. Well, we're probably at uh, 45 minutes, a little over. Just about there. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate it and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Have a good one. All right. See you next time, guys.